This season of the Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast is brought to you in part by the City of Houston and Houston Arts Alliance. Houston Arts Alliance is a local arts and culture organization whose principal work is to implement the City of Houston's vision, values, and goals for its art grant making and civic art investments. HAA's work is conducted through contracts with the City of Houston, overseen by the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. HAA also executes privately funded special projects to meet the needs of the arts community, such as disaster preparation, research on the state of the arts in Houston, and temporary public art projects that energize neighborhoods. In short, HAA helps artists and arts nonprofits be bold, productive, and strong. We want to say thank you to Houston Arts Alliance and the City of Houston for your support of our little podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hey, just quick heads up. This podcast may contain some adult language and adult themes. So if you got kids around, tell them earmuffs. If you at work, put your headphones on. Just make sure you're not about to get in trouble for listening to this. Also, remember that it is all in artistic context. We're not just out here talking crazy for no reason. All the time, anyway. Um, but stay tuned. the longest five seconds ever <laughs> um it was like five and a half seconds okay that's why it wasn't like, the longest five seconds it's longer than five seconds obviously she's never played uh tag football in the street <laughs> why would i <laughs> then if you did then plenty of girls did and if you did you would I know i didn't say plenty. you know me i said why would i <laughs> you would know that five seconds can be very flexible Okay. okay. Even if you have a stopwatch, if you count Mississippi's, somebody gonna be like, "No, nah, man, it went five seconds." You didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so like a lot of our other guests we've spoken to, Houston-based artist Ronald Llewellyn Jones seems to be no stranger to hard work and spreading himself thin. <laughs> he is a multidisciplinary artist whose work explores the barriers between artists and audiences as well as individuals and their communities and the perceived normalcy of everyday life. He does this through through his art practice, which includes photography, video, drawing, printmaking, and sculptural installations. And today we learned about his rescuing of cats. Uh, <laughs> Let's welcome this week's guest, Mr. Ronald Llewellyn Jones. Welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank Mark you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you. I was about to crack a joke about your mom, but I'm chill. I was uh, say, do you want that smoke? She listens to the show. That's fine. <laughs> I listen. I don't care. Hey, Miss Ariba. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so Ronald. I know I asked you this before we even started talking on here, but how you been, man? Uh, I've been pretty good, been pretty busy. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of organizing. I've got a few shows coming up, which I'm super happy about. Um, yeah. Cool. So let's start at the very beginning, sir. When did when did it begin for you? When did your your love for art come about 
What was that moment, that first moment? Uh, I mean, I used to always draw growing up. My dad had uh, two or three body shots here in Houston. And while I was there, I would just, you know, have a pen and piece of paper. And I would just draw the trucks and stuff that he was working on. Uh, Then, you know, I mean, I drew for a long time. And then, like, fifth grade, I remember I wrote this poem because that was, like, part of exercise for English class. And... I didn't understand how to write a poem, so I got a really bad grade. And <laughs> <laughs> so in like seventh grade, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I carried that with me, like that like humiliation. So I was yeah. like, I learned how to write some poems, man. So when they like, I got a book of poetry, not on purpose, but just like it was a book of poetry. I was like, oh, that's how these things are structured. So I just started writing poems and stuff. Oh, wow. uh, and then short, and then I started writing short stories and drawing even more. But then I got got into skateboarding. I just took that over. Uh, well, I took over my life for a bit, and yeah. I just got back into like doing like creative stuff. After like shortly after I graduated high school, uh, I started doing um, like collage work and writing short stories again. Uh, and then you know, a friend of mine, Matt, he gave me a camera to use, and you know, the first roll of film that I took, and then it just came out how I imagined, and yeah. I was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this out. Because uh, I had stopped, and by that time I had stopped drawing because I couldn't draw the stuff I was imagining. So yeah. uh, I felt like if I can take these photos and like I can convey like some kind of expression or emotion through this, then like that's the same. That's like the next, the next best thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the story with me and photography goes back like further than that. You know, uh, the first time I had seen like a photo that like wasn't something that you took in the mall or Walmart. Yeah. Or something like that. It was. Uh, a classmate of mine, Xavier Conklin, she brought this photo that her grandfather had taken of her when she was a kid. It was the first photo that I'd seen that, like, you know, was professional without being professional. You know, it yeah. was, like, from a, maybe a Nikon or something like that with a 50-millimeter lens, but, like, you know, the blurred-out background and stuff. And it just sat, you know, it sat with me in a different way than any other image. It was black and white, and it just seemed so timeless. So, mm-hmm. you know, I looked at it for, like, 15 minutes, gave it back to her. Then I took it back like 15 minutes <laughs> and it's all during class. Right. So, uh, you know, I just, you know, I didn't know what it was, what was, a, what, what it was about that image that made me really, you know, feel that way. Right. It was just different. Um, then maybe, I don't know, maybe it, it could have been a year, a couple of weeks, something, you know, but it was thunderstorm season. Yeah. And, uh, I remember walking to go get some candy after the, uh, the storm had stopped. And I was walking down the street, and there's just uh, projects in front of uh, where, where I stay, and it just looked real ominous. You know, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Backdraft. Yeah. Uh, but like the pyrotechnics in that movie, they have like uh, the flames when it goes up on the walls and the ceilings. Yeah. It just looks like this crazy bubble effect, and that's what it looked like over the projects. And it was just like all those, you know, blues and purples and pinks and stuff, like from the sunset, right? And, mm-hmm. and like really deep, heavy oranges. And I was like, man, like, I want to take a photo of this. So I remember my mom had, like, a really cheap camera on top of the china cabinet, mm-hmm. ran home, grabbed it, went out, and running out the door, and I realized, oh, let me check if it had batteries. Didn't have any batteries. <laughs> then I opened it, it had no film. And I was just like, you know, this is something I'm going to have to remember, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so when, uh, you know, when my friend brought that camera, it was kind of like giving me the opportunity to do something. That, yeah. Like, yeah. Capture those lost yeah. moments. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. After that, you know, I was doing that for a little bit. Uh, I mean, that was in 2005. And in 2000, 
ten, I started doing like video stuff after my camera got stolen. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So my film camera got stolen when I got it back. The shutter was broken. So it was like either oh. I can pay to get that fixed would be the same price as a camera, or just get another camera, or yeah. I can just get you know switch from film to digital and start doing videos like I always wanted. So uh, I had a camera for about six months, and then after that, like. I just started playing around with it and just been doing it ever since. Yeah. That's dope. It seems like art's just been, it's been following you. Like, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, a ridiculous pursuit of it. So if that's the case, if art's been following you, when did you decide to kind of surrender to it and call yourself an artist? I mean, it had been like as recently as like maybe four or five years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, because, you know, the term artist comes with so much baggage, right? And you know, you have to be doing this all day long. This yeah. is the only thing you're doing. And then you also have like the negative stereotypes or like where it's like you're starving all the time. Yeah. And I mean, like, if that's the thing that you're pursuing and you're putting all your efforts and your time and everything into it, like, yeah, you're going to get hungry because like, you passing up shit just so you can like make it happen, right? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> so, well, you were saying, you know, that you decided that you were an artist oh. like uh, about four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of like someone told me, and then I just had to accept it. Yeah. What What do you think the factors were that led you to accepting it? I think it's just grouping, like when when someone recognizes you as being a part of a community, right? Mm-hmm. When like someone involves you in, in, in the conversation that you didn't think that you were supposed to be a part of, right? So, yeah. I mean, more, it was more of those things like happening, like I was finding myself in the room with people I didn't think I was supposed to be in the room with, and having conversations about things I thought I was only thinking about, mm-hmm. and just realizing that like, you know, we all in the same thing, it's like, whether or not you believe you are like this creative type or whatever like somebody's already seeing it and it's whether or not like you're gonna accept it is the thing yeah so even when you were doing your early shows you didn't really identify as an artist well i wasn't i, I mean i didn't even i think the first photo i put in or entered into a uh, any kind of competition was in like 2005 and that was one of the first photos i'd taken and but like I didn't show, it was at a Del Mar, like, fair in California, but, I mean, I didn't even, the first show I got in was the show I put on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm from a small town, Bay City, and, like, there's an art league there, but the art league there is mostly, like, uh, older, older women that, like, are just, not I don't want to tear away or tear down any so someone else's like crap, but like soldier women that are painting like like floral arrangements and stuff yeah. like that and steel light stuff. So it wasn't really like a like any kind of young anything there, right? There's yeah. no contemporary anything. So uh, you know, I wanted to create something, and I was asking a friend of mine, uh, Jeffrey Perales, who. Uh, had a space called the Beehive that was uh, a studio behind his home uh, in Angleton and I was like hey can I just put an impromptu art show at this like event you have and he said yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I just started asking him, like other artists that I knew 
uh, and Bay City, whether or not they wanted to be a part of it. And you know, it wasn't like the wasn't like this like awesome thing. It was like in this like carport, and, but it was more than we had, right? Yeah. Um, then like the second show was another uh, benefit. Uh, it was another show. It was a benefit for uh, Tom Shoes, a guy uh, a guy I know uh, knew about the show that I. Oh man, it was a really small show in a carport, but this dude really thought I could put on this uh, event, and, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll help." And I ended up, like, you know, doing all the work. Uh, uh, we organized a uh, an event at a service center uh, in Bay City, just as you know, kind of a civic center type of space. And uh, I, was I got uh, reached out to the high school for artists, reached out to um, the city to like let me use the space yeah. uh, then uh, yeah I spent I went broke like funding this thing reached out all these artists and made this thing happen but anyway just <laughs> not complaining about it um, but yeah a lot of the first things are just me doing it and for the most part all of my creative like practice or everything has been me just doing it yeah yeah so do you have you have any quote unquote formal training did you go to school for it or <clears throat> So I actually moved, uh, I'm from Houston, uh, but I moved in first grade and I came back, you know, in 2011, uh, but I moved here to go to school for filmmaking at HEC, because okay. uh, I was, you know, I didn't have any going, anything going on and I was actually going to school for, you know, computer science that I just tried to do like uh, electrician work and stuff. And I was like, well, I'm spending all this time like doing these things, and I really just want to be doing something I want to do. Uh, and you know, I looked at Austin, looked at San Marcos, and I didn't really want to move that far. Uh, so looked at Houston, came, uh, looked at uh, the Art Institute. It was too expensive, right? And yeah. it was like a super fast track thing where you had no breaks. Uh, you're doing four years and three. And I saw HEC had you know, similar amount of programs, uh, they covered this, like similar. Uh, Path, so I just went to HCC and did that for two and a half years and transferred. Uh, well, sorry, I went uh, for filmmaking, did that for two and a half years and transferred to U of H, uh, where I was only there for like three months. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Why? But why did you choose to leave U of H? Was it the program wasn't conducive, or? Well, I mean, when I transferred there. They didn't accept any of my core specific uh, credits. Oh wow! Uh, so I was like, well, if these are all electives, I mean, I got to do all these classes again, even though like these are the same descriptions. And you know, I stuck it out for like three months, and it's like, you know, this ain't working. And like maybe two months before that, I quit my job at Pizza Hut. Uh, I was delivering pizzas, and the the manager that I had there, he was just like. You know, I'd, I'd asked for a time off so I could, like, you know, get off early so I can study for these tests and stuff and these exams. And he was like, one day, he was like, I don't know where you going to school for. It's not like you don't use it. And I was like, man, like, they got this other dude who's like a manager. He's going to school and you ain't saying nothing like that to him. So I was like, I don't even, like, why am I even here? Right? Yeah. So I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make this photography video stuff work, you know, because I was already getting paid, you know, but it wasn't like, Everybody was paying me. I was still doing a whole bunch of free stuff for like people in the community because, yeah. like, you know, you want to see people around you blossom and become who they want to be, and whatever you can do for them, you know, you make it happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I was homeless for what, two, 
two months, something like that, after that. Oh, wow. uh, you know, because I'd taken out a student loan, and that lasts for a little bit, and then I got kicked out of the place I was staying. Uh, so I was just, like, caught surfing. And, like, a lot of people didn't know I didn't have anywhere to stay. Yeah. Uh, uh, but around that time is when uh, my friend Jesse essentially was, like, going through the same thing. The people that owned her house was about to, like, kick her and her roommate out. Uh, and they were supposed to be tearing it down to put some other kind of, uh, you know, business. I don't know, something else, right? Some kind of retail. And what she wanted to do was essentially ask people from the community to show up and just, you know, do you paint the walls and murals, like do performance, installation and stuff, you yeah. know. And, you know, I had nowhere to be. And, like, she didn't, even, she didn't invite anybody yet. It just showed up on my feed on Facebook. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to call my friend Nita. And, you know, and I did a mural there. And that's when I, like, met uh, Keith and started doing the yarn work. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... Yeah, and then that time period is, like, when I got the... Uh, when my friend G actually tagged me in a post on Facebook that uh, Cam Contemporary Arts Museum Houston was looking for a, a multimedia fellow, and yeah. you know I saw that and I was like, man, you know at the time I was always homeless, I had nothing going for myself, you know I had like no money, uh, and all I had was this experience like making this art, you know that was keeping my mind off all that stuff, and uh, I remember asking my sister Rhonda, my older sister, you know, and she was like. You know, all they can do is say no. Like, it, it's not like they're going to show up to where you live and beat you up. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I worked on my resume and it, you know, she helped me with that. And, you know, I interviewed and got that job. And, you know, by the time that whole experience of, you know, uh, doing that mural, learning how to learning how to uh, make uh, those installations, uh, you know, I came out better than I had going in. Yeah. Wow. So how do you think all of that? Because that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. How do you feel like all of that affected uh, the work that you create or even the way that you move about um, as an artist and as a human being? Uh, you know, one thing that I kind of learned, uh, you know, it's one thing I learned from my mom is, you know, you, you make sure you take care of yourself. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, what I mean, and I guess, like, how I translated that and related that to myself is, you know, I'm, I know I want to make videos, I want to make movies, yeah. I want to make documentaries, I want to make art, I want to do these things, you know, but, like, I'm not always, it's not always going to be someone there to help me, and not, it's not even, like, there's a lot of people helping me, you know. Yeah. But I have a lot of support, and I not pretend I don't, but, like, um, so when I was going to school and I was getting uh, the refunds, I was, you know, I bought a camera. Or I buy a laptop, and it's like every time, like I would get something, I would like put it into what I was going, yeah. was doing. Uh, so I mean, over time, it it kind of made it to where I have to always look at how am I going to come out on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but also, like with the the, uh, I think I'm rambling now, but I guess I wanted to get at like the string, uh, the insulations for me during that time period were super influential, uh, and like. You know, not knowing where I was gonna get the, my next meal, you know, where I was gonna sleep, and uh, but having the opportunity to just like you know, be at peace, you know, kind of focus on something that wasn't you know like some shortfall or some failure that I was experiencing, uh, like it made me better, right? So I started mm -hmm. realizing that like you know, like the, you know, that people started having the people just recently started having 
more open conversation about uh, self-care and stuff and I realized and during that time period you know that space was self-care for me you know yeah. the, that yarn that I was creating like learning how to make that you know learning how to do something entirely new was me building myself you know uh, you know kind of like a space yeah I feel like no. I talk too much. No, 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 you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. We we appreciate ramblings and uh, because they're always insightful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's not like you said anything that didn't align with you know <laughs> what we're talking about and what the podcast is about. It's simply about you know everything that goes into this art grind, art hustle, art life, whatever you want to call it. You know, and that's it, it's crazy. Because a lot of us, a lot of people will probably hear that and be like, damn, you're homeless for a while, man. That's crazy. It is crazy. At the same time, it's not that uncommon no. amongst, Me. well, first of all, amongst human beings. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. amongst artists also. Yeah. I mean, right? it's one of those things where, you know, I had a conversation with another artist, right, um, about that, like, the stages of homelessness, the states of homelessness, right? Like, you... Everybody probably knows someone who's homeless. Like if you just if you know somebody's crashing on somebody's couch, like that's homeless. Like <laughs> it may it may be like this is your homie or your friend or your like whatever, but like that person is homeless. Yeah. Right? Um like if you if you can't if if your if your place of employment like well they messed up the payroll this week and you won't get it till next week and it's the first and you can lose your place. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you're you are within like one of the stages of homelessness, right? Like yeah. You know, uh, everybody, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that just don't realize how close they are to being, like, on the street. Yeah. But, yeah. And that was, like, one of those things that I kind of took for granted, right? Uh, but, I mean, I mean, I made a lot of stupid, stupid choices just because I wanted to see myself where I thought I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, do you, why do you, why do you say they're stupid? Because, I mean, there's, like... There's risks and there's like educated risks, right? Mm, okay. Like, and I was just like, I'm, it's like, I don't, shit, I don't, I don't want to be at the school anymore if I know like I can't really have a job because I'm gonna miss like work or I'm just not gonna have money or something like that. It's like, well, I'm, a, I'm already getting paid doing this thing. I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. And it's just like one of those like I'm just gonna quit and just like jump on this other yeah. track and see if I can figure it out. And that's kind of been like my whole thing. It's it's not as if like it's like worked out always like in the best way or worked yeah. out at all but like the way I see it is if I'm going to be earnest and real with myself about what I want to do I'm going to have to eventually like take a risk to get to where I want to be and a lot of those times you know a lot of times it's like a risk that like it's a dumb risk like yeah. this could go really bad or it can go really good but like I'm going to take it just because I know what's on the other side of it could be something really great yeah I mean very true. At the same time, I think there's only so many degrees of separation between stupidity and courage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes it's just in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. Like, I say, do we really only call it stupid if it doesn't work out? Yeah. Yeah, right. basically. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or but, insane if you keep trying and don't work. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, even if it doesn't work out immediately, it's still not necessarily looked at as being stupid, right? Like, right. Chris Gardner, the the person that uh, the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness is yeah. about. Mm -hmm. My man and his son were homeless. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? For a time. Yeah. 
where the only shelter his son had was daycare. You know what I'm saying? The only concrete shelter he had was daycare. Every once in a while, they stay in a hotel or whatever. But the thing is, like, now he's this multimillionaire. It worked out. Yeah. Yeah. But in the middle there, it didn't work out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, but because of the success that he has now, we're all like, yeah. that's dedication. It's like, eh, yeah. is it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you, um, everybody is playing the stock market, right? Yeah. Uh, and you just hope that, like, you get that payout after you, like, invest all this money into a thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I, I think that's really what, like, being an artist is is like you making these investments like the you know sometimes strategic sometimes not uh, investments yeah. into your future you know uh, into your craft or whatever it may be and maybe it don't work out maybe you go back to the drawing board with the next thing yeah it's like well right now you know i'm doing like printmaking and and like yarn work and all this other stuff it's like well maybe one of these things won't work out or pan out but like that right now this is what i'm trying out because i'm yeah. gonna play with it or experiment with it yeah. So let me ask you, what is the, I like the, the, the yarn, um, pieces, the small ones and the, in the large installations. Um, but I'd like to know, I think other people might like to know, like, what is the, what's the idea behind them? What's the motivation, um, for you to create them? Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll I don't like telling the stories in the middle, so mm. I have to go to the beginning. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Uh, so back at Jesse's, when I was working on that, uh, I was working on a mural uh, of myself because you know, I didn't know what else to, to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, this guy, Keith, uh, was introduced to me by my friend, uh, uh, Ariana. Uh, and... Like, he was sitting on the patio out front, and I just saw him looking up at the ceiling. I was like, what's this dude looking at, right? And I just went back inside and started painting some more. Maybe 45 minutes, 30, 30 45 minutes later. Uh, no, you're good, you're good. You can't hear yourself? Uh-uh. That's weird. You do I can only hear out of this here. Whatever you did, turned it off on the side. Oh, that's weird. Because I was just touching the game. I didn't touch anything else. Uh-huh. It might go in the wires. Well, you were saying you went back and uh, and after you saw your, um, your friend looking up and then went back in and paint some more? Yeah, so I was in there uh, painting a little bit more. And, you know, I just wanted to go back outside and take a break. And then uh, when I went outside, he was in front of the door, you know, and he was like reaching up, uh, look, doing something with strain. Uh, and I was like, well, okay, he's doing something. So I walked back in, and when I came back out, uh, after some time had passed, he was gone. But mm-hmm. there was this, um, like, rainbow-colored spider web uh, that he'd made. And, you know, I'd never seen anybody do anything with string before. So I was kind of like, man, what is this? And don't care about it. And so I went back inside. Uh, a few days later, uh, we were having, you know, we would, we had these uh, art parties. Uh, and a few days later, we had one of those, and uh, I was having a conversation with somebody, and I was kind of like, you know, I don't really feel comfortable having this conversation. You know, uh, I'm gonna go outside. Uh, I felt I was 
I don't know, it was really awkward and it wasn't even a conversation, just me feeling awkward, right? Mm. So uh, I went outside being awkward and I was like, you know what, I feel strange. So, you know, I'm going to take my mind off of this. I'm going to look at uh, this dude's work and I'm going to, you know, really take it in. So uh, I went and looked at it and then I had all these, um, all the anchor points were, they were old rusted nails. So it's like, mm. well, he didn't bring, like nobody's just carrying around rusted nails, right? So, uh, I mean, <laughs> you maybe hope somebody not. is. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody is. Yeah, somebody's carrying. <laughs> There's too many people in the world for somebody not to. <laughs> but um, I, mean, I was like, man, like I had not even given it the time of day and this dude, like I saw him go through these steps. Like I saw him sitting there looking up, you know, then I saw him like, you know, making those connections. Then, you know, it was gone, it was done. Uh, and I felt so bad about it, you know, that I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna do it to apologize. And, uh, so I immediately went inside, talked to my friend Alice and she was like, well, ask our friend Hannah. So me and Hannah did one, you know, it's like a pyramid, like out of a yellow string that kind of came down from the ceiling with like one string coming down from the tip of it, uh, that was uh, attached to this like little keepsake of uh, a bird in a cage. Uh, but, you know, even after that, it was like, that wasn't good enough for me, man, because she helped me. You know, it wasn't something that I just did for myself. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. didn't add anything to the conversation, I didn't feel, right? So uh, I knew in one of the rooms, there was a lot of hooks and stuff like that. And I knew that there's a place on the street called the Texas Art Asylum that had like a whole bunch of like random used stuff. And I could just probably go find some yarn. So I talked to Jesse. She said, yeah, as long as people can um, still like get at the walls of paint on them. She said, yeah. So, uh, yeah, from... So I did, you know, I spent like the next like two or three months, like making all these connections with these things, but like it wasn't getting like any dimensionality to it. Mm. I wanted to add something to it. I wanted to like give it a body and not be this flat thing. Uh, Then finally she allowed me to connect to the floor and that's kind of when like the whole thing kind of opened up, right? Mm. So I was able to like give it like, you know, the the body that it had. So going forward, you know, it was kind of like I wanted to re, I wanted to do that. Again, you wanted to live in that experience, like more, mm-hmm. like where you created something that people had to kind of like maneuver around, like that you could see inside the room, but like there was something in front of you, like you could see the body of it, but you necessarily you couldn't necessarily see all of it at once. Yeah. Um, like when I go into a space, it's not like I have an idea of what I want to make. It's more like I just see what's available, and then I go from there. Yeah. Uh, it's. It's like I know I want to go from the from the floor to the ceiling, and I want to go from and on to cover like a wide uh, like a lot of space. So it's like how many times do I have to touch down in order to get to the other side of the rope? Yeah. And like, how are people going through this space? And how can I touch? How how can these touchdowns uh, uh, are these anchor points to the floor? Uh, like make it to where like there's something in the way, but like it's not making it where like the original path is obstructed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not making to, in some places, you know, like uh, I make it to where you have to duck or whatever, but it, it didn't start off that way. It's yeah. more like I wanted to like do something that like just kind of hovered over you or something that was like kind of off in the corner. Yeah. Like now with, uh, you know, like more, you know, more people giving me opportunities to have like more say of what I want to do or not even more safe or I'm able to do more. Yeah. You know, it used to be like, you know, I was doing them in people's houses. Like, well, I got cats, so I can't, you can't really like, you know, make it go down to the floor because like, <laughs> the cat's going to be all over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, 
uh, again, my story short, um, I just go into a space and I kind of live in it and I just look at people walk through it and then I just see uh, how I can make something that like speaks to the space as well as like, you know, engages the people that go through it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the goal then is, I'm just trying to understand. So the goal then is just engagement and interaction. Yeah. uh, I mean, I don't... uh, they're about me being happy, and it's, yeah. it's really what it is. Uh, and I can't, I can say a bunch of stuff, but it's really just me making myself happy. Yeah. Uh, when I'm doing them, they're like therapy to me, and when I go in there, it's more about like working out like issues in my head, and whatever comes out of it is what comes out of it. Um, yeah. So, do you have a definitive stop point in your head? Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, it usually the, the definitive stop point usually comes when you sounds feeling good and like it's immediate mm-hmm. right where you just look at it and it's like oh like if I do one more thing to this I ain't gonna like it anymore mm-hmm. it's, it's like that that we talked about this last season a few times that um, that point of overwork yeah where it's like you don't know because it's just like drawing and painting you know, with photography, there's more so an idea of a look that you want, but still, as you're editing, it's kind of like, uh, uh, wait, let me take a step back, because what I just did, I didn't like that shit, yeah. right? So it's like, once you get to that point where it's like, oh, this shit is trash, yeah. you've gone too far, but you didn't know until you went too yeah. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I used to do, um, I used to do like really high contrast photos, right? Uh, I just edit them mm-hmm. so it'd be like really dark, darks and you know crap contrasty. And then like, man, it must have been like last year, and I looked at some of those old photos, and I was like, man, I was doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that happens. You know, some people when they there's always those stages that you go through in whatever medium it is, right? So yeah. like with photography, after you do the nudes. After you do, <laughs> after you do the nudes, after you do the the long exposures, yeah. the light writing and all that, yeah. you know, at some point you find yourself probably in this. You may not identify with it as noir, yeah. but yeah. it's noir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's completely understandable. Um, let me ask you this: so you do all of these different things, right? Drawing, photography. Um, uh, printmaking, all these things. Which medium is your favorite to work with? Um, I think, I think the yarn is really. Yeah, uh, mostly because it's, I mean, like, you know, with photography, like, it's not fun unless somebody's there for me, right? Like, mm. it's it's. My my photography is like candid, right? It's, it's like, and I want to experience something. I just kind of want to document it, right? Um, with video work is, uh, you know, that, that's that too is more like I want to tell people stories. I don't want to just like do it by myself, you know? Yeah. Didn't, I've done 20 hours by myself. I don't like it anymore. Um, like, you know, printmaking is fun. I can do that by myself, and that's cool, but it, it's really time-consuming. But like with the strain stuff, it's like, I get a lot of it. I get I get a lot out of it. You know, I get mm. the stillness of mind where I get to just like focus on something 
uh, without having to focus on it for like hours, right? Yeah. And at the end of it, I have this like this huge thing or maybe this really small thing that like just kind of embodies like this whole thought process. You know, it may not like speak to it like in some like real way that like it's noticeable, yeah. but like for me, it, there's a lot entailed into it. And there's a lot like that goes into it. So um, if it gives, if I can work on the thing for like 24 hours, you know, like spaced out over days, like that means I have like 24 hours where I'm just like, I'm like mentally and like subconsciously like working out all these problems, like yeah. looking at like where this is this this idea is a dead end, like this thing is a bad idea, like this is what you need to be doing for the next like how many days or whatever, just like clear my mind where it's like you know when I'm here at home, I'm sitting in front of three screens, just like all right, what's what's the next project? What's the next project? What's the next project? Like always that work mind state mind state you know or state of mind. When I get the yarns, just like this is just what it is. Nothing else is mattering right now. <laughs> have you ever experimented with the medium that you're like no this isn't for me um i i kind of feel that way about stencil making you know um <laughs> I, I could do like some really basic ones right but, uh, i know some folks that do like multiple layer stuff like i don't have time for that man mm-hmm. like with all the cuttings like i don't man i I'm a, I got like arthritis or something like that. I can't deal with it. I carpal tunnel. I can't deal with all that. Uh, but um, like that's why that's literally why I started doing um like screen printing because it was it's it's just like stencil making only like I ain't got to cut nothing. It's more just like I gotta buy a lot more stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's not it's not simpler. It's less time. Uh, I don't I don't know if either of those things are true. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's just more appealing. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I can make more duplicates off of one screen than I can off of the stencils I was making. So I was, cut, I mean, I, what I was doing is taking like regular paper and like wrapping it in tape and just like cutting it out that way so I can just keep using it. Yeah. Because yeah, I was always broke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still sounds like a great idea. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it worked. Uh, I mean, I got some pretty good stencils out of them. Yeah. It's, so let me ask you this now. We've talked about all of those different things in your in your bio i was reading that you well, well you you kind of classify yourself as a visual artist and a documentarian which of those is more important to you i think they're the same thing but you have to differentiate uh, as far as like professional and artistic practice right when it comes mm-hmm. to like giving somebody a card right yeah uh I don't want to have two cards. I don't want to have one that says I'm an artist and one that says that I like do this, like work for like different places, right? Um, I feel like those things carry over for me. They're part of the same same body of work. Not necessarily saying that these are all things that I'm really super proud of, but like a lot of that stuff I put a lot of time and effort into. And people are not hiring me because um, I'm creating that somebody else creating something that somebody else is doing you know they're hiring because they want to see me do the thing that i do for them right so um yeah so to put those things in the same you know on the same card because that website's going to take you to all those same things you know? yeah it's not like i'm not, not i'm not going to have two websites for like my visual art and my professional work you know so why have two cards okay. or two titles yeah i mean Ultimately, I'm just a creative that, like, has found a way to, like, make a living doing creative work. Right? Yeah. Now, there's a third title that I've given you after reading through uh, a lot of information about you. 
um, that you may or may not accept, and that is activist. Um, and especially because some of the organizations that you are a part of or have been a founding member of, <laughs> um, and there's the one in particular that is the Creatives for Asylum Seekers and Migrants. Yes. Um, so would you accept the title of activist? Or is that something that you're kind of like, uh, I'm not that. Uh, I, I wouldn't attribute that full weight to me knowing <laughs> like what that carries, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would say I'm a blossoming activist. Okay. Uh, I think I'm, you know, I, I would accept that more than like, Yo, I'm not like Rosa Parks or nobody like that. You yeah. know, I'm doing what I can with what I got. I, that's what she did. You know what I'm saying? That's what, that's what Martin did. That's what all these people did. Like, they did what they could with what they had, and then they were given more. Yeah. Right? So, um, what is, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, Creatives for Asylum Seekers and Migrants, also known as CHASM, yeah. is? Uh, so, essentially, you know, well, not essentially, since uh, since before Donald Trump was president, you know, there, uh, you know, Obama was deporting a lot of people. But you know, since Donald Trump has become president, you know, it kind of ramped up in like a really in- inhumane way, uh, almost immediately. And you know, I would go to protests and rallies and stuff like that, and like organizing meetings, and uh, you know, and it just and it resulted in more protests and more rallies and more meetings, uh, and. You know, at there a little bit, you know, you get kind of burnt out, you know, going to all these different things. Not necessarily saying things aren't changing, but like you want to, you know, you want to play to your strengths, right? Yeah. At some point, you know, like if you're just showing up and you're being a body and it's like, well, I, can, I have more to offer. Yeah. Uh, so, so essentially, like, you know, uh, in the summer, the, when the little girl and her dad uh, uh, died crossing the, the Rio Grande, and that became like the the the, uh, the cover story, cover of a lot of like different publications, you know, kind of like the it, it mirrored too closely to the Syrian little boy that wa- that uh, that washed him on the shore, oh, yeah. right? So it it was like you know everybody was up in arms about the Syrian little boy uh, and like you know that uh, that tragedy there, uh, but when it came to our borders, it was as if like you know there wasn't. The same people that like felt bad about the senior little boy didn't have those same feelings and emotions for this this man and his daughter. Uh, so you know, that from it's sad for me to say you know that that was like kind of a last straw after seeing like you know just finding out more and more about the condition that these people were like having to like exist within within these detention centers. You know, uh, uh, it was in, Ju- in in July that I was kind of like you know I'm just gonna you know I I'm I got like some Art, I don't have a lot of money, but um, I'm willing to donate 100% of whatever to, like, the cause, right, to an organization that is providing legal resources. And I decided upon legal uh, legal resources because, you know, they weren't allowing people to bring in, like, any kind of hygiene products. They weren't allowing people to bring yeah. in food or any kind of anything, right? So, uh, it, but I was reading an article, and it was stated that, uh, essentially, the only thing that was going to be like that you can do something for them that was going to be the the most active that you can be is you know providing re- like providing resources to organizations and agencies that are that are doing legal aid you know mm. like the mental health like uh, things you know yeah and 
uh, you know, so I put that out there and I, I, it was like an overwhelming response and a lot of people were like down for like getting together to do something. Uh, so, you know, I want to bottle this. Mm-hmm. So I created an event and it's titled like, and created for a silence and and migrants and see who would show up. And, you know, uh, from that meeting, you know, we broke into three different groups and a lot of people showed up. There was like maybe 30 or 40 people, you know, I didn't expect anybody to show up to be honest, yeah. you know, like as much as like people like say going <coughs> to a thing or they're about something, whatever. Um, but I was really blown away, um, that we had enough response that big. Uh, so broken into three groups. Uh, one was marketing, then others was planning, then others research. Uh, the research, like what we did, because I was in that group, what we did was we essentially just immediately started researching what was happening on the border, like organizations and agencies that are working, like uh, with that are working with uh, migrants and asylum seekers that are uh, dealing with like the legal aid, uh, providing it, and you know, over you know the course of that, uh, uh, course of a month and a half or so, uh, yeah. we kind of uh, nailed down who we wanted to, uh, who we wanted to benefit. Uh, and then kind of like started honing what it is that we're going to be creating. Yeah. Um, uh, we found this uh, awesome organization, uh, Houston Immigration Legal Services Collaborative. Uh, I, I believe they started in 2013. It's just a, a group of local uh, uh, paralegals, lawyers, and in other individuals uh, that are banding together to do like a shitload of pro bono work for a lot of individuals that are like without resources right Mm. uh because the thing is like you're already being detained uh you're going to be going to court because they're taking you there right but what's the use of going to court to you know claim asylum if you don't have access to like a lawyer right Mm -hmm. if there's no one speaking on your behalf if you're like four years old or whatever old you are if you don't speak speak the language you know it and there's no one there interpreting for you there's no one like giving you like the rights and wrongs of what like or like even no one telling you what rights you have people that are just there to make sure that you don't have them uh, or to sign them away you know so you know, so we found we maybe we selected them, reached out to them, and they, they were there about it. You know, so yeah. right now, um, no, let me just say this. Yeah, so it's a creative, uh, creative for asylum seekers. We are doing a silent auction for uh, the benefit of Hills. Uh, it's November third at Share Space. It's eleven twenty Naylor Street, uh, the Old Walters downtown. Uh, it's from five p.m. to ten p.m. Uh, it's it's like 30, 30 to 40 local uh, creatives uh, and artists uh, participating. There's going to be live performances, poetry reading, uh, sound art. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the silent auction. You know, the idea is, you know, there is, um, not the idea, but, you know, the goal is, you know, we're trying to reach like $15,000. Yeah. Uh, so... The tickets uh, range from $25 to $100. You know, the $25 range is, you know, for artists and local artists and they're getting, giving everyone a discount, right? Uh, then the second is like the general admission where you get a raffle ticket and that raffle ticket puts you into a, puts you in a raffle so you can win like uh, artwork from local creatives, you know, or services from local creatives. Uh, and then you have the $100 range, which is like the collector range, right? Okay. Like individuals that are wanting to like make sure they leave with something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get five raffle tickets with that, you know, you can buy a raffle ticket separately. But uh, the whole idea, you know, is to make sure like 
people that are in the arts that don't have access or agency or don't feel like they have um don't feel like they have it right like mm -hmm. we, we we vote and we march and we, but like what i want to do more yeah and i just felt like it's an awesome opportunity for us to come together as a community to say like you know we're not about what's happening in our neighborhoods right we're not about what's like ice coming and raiding all these businesses we're not about yeah. like the space that's over there at the end of emancipation right um so yeah i don't know I'm rambling now, but... Nah, you're not. Like, it's dope. I mean, it, because I think there are so many people that want to help that don't know where the hell to start, right? So being able to buy a ticket to this event, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's a great way to start. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's entertainment. Yeah. You get to meet people. You get to see some art. Party Maybe for you, a cause. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with shaking your ass for a cause. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't yeah. nothing wrong with shaking your ass, yeah. but ain't nothing wrong with shaking your ass for a cause, for sure. Yeah. What? I'm, I didn't. <laughs> what did I say? That's a lie. Nothing. Hello. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, um, my mom, my mom says, you know, clothes mouth doesn't get fed, mm -hmm. and you can only watch the news so many times and seeing people like like begging to be fed you know for like some yeah. kind of resource for someone to acknowledge that they yeah. exist and then like not do something about it and you know i didn't i wasn't raised that way and i can't watch tv yeah. you know that these people are right down the street and not do nothing about it or not even like act to act as if like i got so much going on in my life yeah. that like i can't spend time doing something else yeah. that's gonna be for the betterment of somebody else you know so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, get emotional about it, but yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. I mean, the the stories that I know of personally, like I know these people and have it, had conversations with them. Um, one of the homies from right here in Houston that a lot of people know, David, was hemmed up in immigration for months. He's a citizen. Like, I don't, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But he was born in Mexico. But he's been here for quite some time, since middle school, I believe. And paperwork wasn't wrong or nothing. They just hemmed him up yeah. in immigration for months. Yeah. And, you know, that it was on the news, it was on, you know, different publications and things like that. And it's just one of those things where it's like, damn, how the hell is this stuff happening? Like, I know of a woman who is very meticulous about when she visits here from Jamaica. So she always leaves early, right? So yeah. she comes, she stays for six months. She will leave a week or two before that six months is up yeah. to be sure that she's on the right side of it. She came this time and they were like, back in 2015, you yeah. stayed over. She has documentation that she left yeah. a week and a half before. But it's like, what the hell is going on that we feel? I mean, I get pride in your country and all that shit, mm -hmm. but like. What is it that is making this country act in such a well shit? The world, I guess. It's not, yeah. it shit ain't unique to us. So I, I guess it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, I, I like to think that I have a lot of answers, but that's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Yeah, you can't, can't really call it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of thoughts and feelings that come up with all that. I mean, I 
think one of them is definitely fuck Trump. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, but fuck a lot of other people that yeah. are also part of this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and it's like, well, if you take the king out, I mean, everybody. It's like, well, we take the head drug dealer out, man. Ain't nobody else gonna be selling drugs around here. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a fallacy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like what are you talking about? They like plotting to kill him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Somebody's going Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They want they want a bigger cut. Like, yeah, it's crazy, but. <laughs> But no, it's it's really dope, and you know I applaud you for, you know, actually taking the initiative to do that. All right. Well, the first thing I want to do is I want to walk back to any point where that part of the conversation started. Like none of this, absolutely none of it, has been like by myself. Like yeah, I, there are people that have carried a lot of this. Yeah, uh, with more weight on it on their shoulders than me at times, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it may be that I sent out, uh, you know, some memes saying I want to do this thing or initiated a conversation around it, right? But, like, it ain't nothing without uh, the support and the people putting it together. It's nothing yeah. without, like, uh, you know, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole group of people. I could go off on names, but then I feel bad. Because you names forget somebody. somebody. Yeah. Uh, but... Huh, this is this ain't me. This is the community, and that's what I wanted to get across. Is like knowing that, like, yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, I was trying to I was trying to kill two birds one stone. Like knowing that Houston arts community is huge, uh, uh, but it's also small. Yeah. It can, or it's huge, but it can be made small, which yeah. is people talking to each other. Uh, uh, a lot of things can open a lot of doors. A lot of people can open up if they just start talking. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I also wanted to use this opportunity to, like, get all those people in the same room. Like, you know, sometimes all it is is, like, working with somebody on a project, right? Yeah. Uh, and, like, working towards a, a common goal to, like, understand, like, yo, like, this person is just as useful as I feel myself to be. Yeah. And we can, like, do some things together as a community. So, you know, that's uh, as far as I'm concerned, like, the idea behind it is, you know, is as much about building community as it is about helping individuals that are in need. Because if we can come together to do this one thing, then how many other people can we come together to like to benefit? Right? Yeah. How many other organizations can you activate uh, individuals to benefit? No, I mean at any rate, it's a, it's an amazing cause and a great idea, and we'll even before this airs, we'll put something on the Instagram and Facebook and things like that so people can see. Um, and the people that I don't, that I know that may not know about it, I'll definitely reach out to them as well. I totally appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. Um, so let me ask you, well, so I think it's safe to assume like you haven't had necessarily any family members that have been affected by the, the issues with, um, immigration and things like that currently like that's not what spurned this it was simply being a human and yeah um yeah i don't have you know i don't have any family uh but i do know folks that you know are at risk right and Mm -hmm. have been at risk like for as long as i've known them uh it it's like one of those things where when somebody opens your eyes to it and you turn away from it, it's like you're willing it on them, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, don't feel comfortable doing that anymore. Mm. Like, don't feel, I don't, you know, I don't feel like that's the thing to be doing anymore. Yeah. How do you think that this, um, 
being a part of this, a big part of it, how do you feel like this, uh, everything with Chasm has affected your work or has it impacted any yeah. of your work? Uh, so I was, I did an installation uh, titled uh, On the Topic of Race uh, that was uh, just down the street at Space HL, uh, space that Paul Middendorf runs uh, um, on Polk and Colin. And oh, right across from the Kroger. Yeah, yeah, right across yeah, from yeah. the Kroger. Uh, and you know, I was. And oh, okay, we are back. All right, here you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, while I was doing, well, I gotta stop saying I. Uh, while while we've been while we've, while we've been doing the the planning, uh, you know, I had this. Uh, Opportunity to do a show at Space HL across uh, from the, the Kroger on Polk and Cullen on uh, Second Ward, uh, and I'd already picked out these colors. You know, I already knew what colors I wanted to use. Yeah. I had them, and I just, you know, so I, I don't use these colors. So I had all these different like kind of flesh tone browns and stuff like that, and you know, and it, like you know, just the organizing part uh, kind of started making me think about. Uh, like the structures that keep us in place, right? And mm. how we sometimes, uh, you know, adhere to that structure or like, yeah. you know, like become like allies to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my idea for the space at, uh, for my idea for space was, you know, using the parking lot in the back in the backyard uh, to have a conversation because when I would, whenever I would go there, like it'd be like people would just hang out around, around like just where the back door was, but there's this whole like backyard that wasn't being activated. Uh, and I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, the issues of race and how, you know, like it's a part of the conversation, even if, you know, it's subconscious, you know, like because you'll walk into a space and you immediately feel the weight of who you are as a person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, or how people like, <clears throat> Uh, how people depict like persons that look like you. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you know those those kind of structures exist like across like uh, cross racial li- lines, and yeah. you know, just and because of that, you know, like we're all holding each other. It's like a, we have the opportunity to either lift each other up or hold each other down. Uh, and so, what I wanted to do with that space is essentially like. From the entrance uh, to the driveway all the way to the back, I wanted it to be like, you know, you walk into this thing where it was immediately above you, but as you went into it, it started like forcing you to like bow down to it, Mm. right? So like you would walk into it and it'd be like, well, like just imagine how like, there's no, in my mind, like I would be putting myself in positions where it's like, well, this is what it's like to be like a black or brown person walking to this white space. Like you're going to have to duck and like go underneath this in order for you to like live in this space, you know, because mm-hmm. like the things that like, you know, you weren't supposed to be here. Uh, like this has never been a space that you existed. Like, so like you go in there and you just feel that like yeah. all that history, you know, so yeah. uh, that's kind of what I wanted to put in that. But like also that, you know, you know, the lines that are connecting it, they'll all, like they're all shades of brown, you know, and, and white, and so it's like, well, why do I feel that way when I can change it? Like mm. I can, I can impose my will upon that space. Yeah. So why not? So that's kind of what the conversation is for me. Uh, with that, is like, I can see what's happened to these individuals just down the street. I can, un- I can, I understand what 
that situation may be like, you know, for them, and just like with the history of us and this country, right? So, like, why, why pretend like I'm not uh, an enabler to that system by not engaging with it, right? Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, kind of relate those team those things back to each other, where it's like, you know, I'm finding out that like, not even finding out like. I'm making myself like unable to deny that I'm enabling this system and yeah. this stuff to take place. Um, <clears throat> why not make that like visible to everyone else, right? Yeah. Like all these conversations are always happening. Like, and we have the power to, to like you know hold the next person down or build the next person up. Uh, and it's not until we start realizing that like you know we're all in it together and we're gonna rise or fall together. But like, there's no way that you can cut one of these strings and it's not gonna affect the whole. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and then, you know, I had, uh, 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 you know, the second half of that insulation, you know, because um, a lot of them were time activated, you know, the, uh, I, I work in the sun outside sometimes. So it's usually I'm working like just in spaces that have shades and while the sun is in certain areas. So like, is that all the time that like, you know, when I'm making them, I'm not thinking about it, but like at, at some point, like they only have like maybe four to six hours where they're all the way lit just because I'm like working like with the sun, like trying to stay yeah. out of it. Right. So, yeah. um, with that one, like, uh, at night, you know, all the darker colors and so they disappear, you know, mm. from the sculpture, right. From the structure. So it's kind of like this, this double thing where this double statement where it's like, you know, we all in this together, but you know, only some people get to shine in it, mm. you know, only some people like, uh, like one, uh, and different lighting, it seems as if like only these people are making it work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so it has, you know, it has affected me, uh, like doing that type of work, you know, and it's not just, you know, you know, the chasm work, you know, I'm also working with, uh, another group of artists and, uh, and creatives, artists and, um, uh, activists that are, you know, applying for grants and stuff to reactivate the parks in uh, Sunnyside and South Park area, right? Okay. Because of the stuff that's happening out there, like people aren't want, don't want to go there because of like the drug and gang violence or whatever yeah. it may be, you know, just this element that are in the park that are, yeah. that make people not feel like they're welcome there anymore mm -hmm. or safe. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm like oh, I was looking for this. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So just thinking about like how. I don't know. I, I guess just being a part of these different conversations that I've been a part of have made me feel like I'm supposed to be in the room. Yeah. You know? uh, and the more I feel like I'm supposed to be in the room, the more ideas I have, you know, come to me about how I can activate the people that, are, you know, that I have direct access to yeah. to start doing some of these things that I feel like we can do as a team. Yeah. I mean, you taking your seat at the table. Like taking that shit, like, <laughs> like it's not necessarily being offered to you, but you're just like, hey, listen, I, I have the power to do this, so fuck it, let's well, let's get this shit done. I mean, like most, I mean, like most things, um, it ain't nothing to it but to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, I I don't have a problem with failing, you know. Uh, I have, I mean, like it affects me for sure, but like I know that failure wouldn't even exist and that growth that I cut that comes from it wouldn't even exist if I didn't try. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I take on like, sometimes I take on like really grandiose projects, you know, like really lofty goals, but like this idea that like, you know, somebody may be, may be inspired by this, you know, and I may not be the person that makes it, you know, to the end, you know, like, 
like Moses is in the, in the promised land, you know, I may not see the actuality of it, right? But like, I'm going to be working to make sure that it happens, right? Yeah. Like, if there's no other voice, then like, I'll, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. Until someone else wants to come and help me. <laughs> or in, yeah. Or until I mean, someone else that, takes it. You know, that's that Tupac mentality. You may not change the world, but you may spark the mind that changes the world. You and I think, yeah, I think that's how I feel like that's the best <clears throat> way to live as a creative, right? Like, because mm. if, we are always looking for ways to get ourselves to a place, right? And never looking around to see who's like with us along that fight, right? Uh, then mm-hmm. we're always like, well, I'm gonna be the king, where it's like, well, you can just build a village, right? Yeah, which is just as important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's so that's why I look at it as like, why, why not try? Because we can only we only become stronger through failure, you know? Yeah. You know, success is only made through attempts, right? And like, you know, mm-hmm. I can't really use myself as an example because I go through a bunch of different stuff and I've always had support. But, you know, there's a lot of people that don't. Uh, so a lot of stuff that I'm trying to do right now is just trying to provide space or create space for people that don't have that. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that I mean, that's that's the ultimate goal is to be able to, like, create space for people that don't have it. Yeah. Because I remember when I moved to Houston, I was here for two years before I met somebody that patched me into, like, anybody. Right. Yeah. And, you know. I, I would feel like I'd be doing the next person an, an injustice if I didn't try to do something about that. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because a couple of weeks ago we talked to uh, Delita Martin and she was saying a lot of a lot of similar things just in terms of being able to help others, right? Like uh, the quote that she got from her grandmother. It's like, you know, you don't want to keep your hand closed too tight because you can't get nothing else in it. Um, and that kind of goes to what you were saying before we even started recording in terms of, um, how did I blank like that? <laughs> in terms of reaching out to see how you can help before trying to help yourself first. Yeah. Um, so again, I understand that there is a team and a group of people that you're working with, but I still applaud you for what you're doing because again, you, you know, you're living by a lot of principles that a lot of people believe in or say that they believe in, but don't necessarily put action behind. Um, so I think that is something to be applauded even on an individual scale. Um, and I think that would kind of, that kind of leads us back into another question that I had about, um, your work, your CV, because you've had a lot of solo shows and it, based on what you're saying is that due to the fact that you're just kind of like well shit I gotta figure it out I'm gonna do it yeah uh, I mean I haven't uh, it's funny because it's like I'm like I had a lot of shows well, not a lot uh, but I mean, you know a good, you've had a good yeah, number yeah. of them uh, I mean I would say the majority of the things that I've done have been in like alternative like DIY pop up spaces uh, at least a lot of the the majority of the early stuff um because, you know, I hate the idea of applying for shit, man. Like, it's it's something about it, man. Like, I just, like... Hey, man, like... You got all these people going to school for art and shit. And then you... And, but you telling them to come find you. Yeah. Like, I mean, like... You gotta come find somebody at some point, right? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I could have framed that differently. But it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
don't know. Now, now I lost what I, the point I was trying to make, but it's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna drop it because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, alternative spaces, <clears throat> excuse me, alternative spaces seem to be they the shit. Uh, uh, yeah, basically. I mean, because it's like one. A lot of times we apply to things, and there's a uh, tall white gate. Yeah. That stands in our way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the, you don't even see the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper is the same damn color as the gate. You know what I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there's that, right? So our work is being filtered through a white lens. Yeah. And then the value is being placed on it based on yeah. someone that's not intimate with yeah. the things that you're speaking about necessarily, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there are always exceptions yeah, yeah. to that. But the fact of the matter is, like, yeah. it's being filtered through that 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 kind of lens. Yeah. Um, but alternative spaces seem to be what everyone, well, what lots of people are moving towards because there's less restrictions, also. Yeah. For the art um, uninitiated at home, can you explain what an alternative space is? So, well, you want to take that? Uh, uh, I guess uh, the easiest way to determine uh, to, I guess describe it is alternative space alternative spaces or essentially any space that is not a gallery or a museum it could be uh somebody's living room that is just converted into like a a gallery space or exhibition space Mm -hmm. it could be somebody's like land it could be anything essentially is an alternative space or diy space pop-up whatever you want to call it it's just anything outside the norm where persons can create the environment for themselves without having to go through an organized body to yeah. establish it. Oh, okay. Different than the Lululemon pop-up where they just rent a space the same as they would if they were doing the regular brick-and-mortar retail space because that shit ain't really a pop-up. But anyway, that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Um, so that's like the conversation we had with John about how he started noticing yeah, more we, artists. We talked to John Abudili about that and uh, Robert Hodge talks about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um because he's doing things like at culture and yeah. um, yeah. other places. Yeah. But that's a it's a concept. It feels new. It's not it's, it's not at all. It's, not <laughs> old, it's old. I mean like it is it right, so this my apartment actually was used as an alternative space for about two years. I had oh, two wow. shows here. Uh I had at the time uh I was n- paying attention to how much street art was being like kind of boosted in like the public eye here in Houston and I started noticing that there wasn't very much of like a a female imprint uh, or like a feminine imprint on it at all so what I wanted to do is like you know it's not even like I came up with this idea immediately what I wanted to do for myself was to cook my living room with uh, this like high quality backdrop paper and just write like draw caricatures of my friends on it but you know like me I keep taking on projects and I didn't have time but I actually wanted to see that see what would happen if that if I was able to cook my wall so the first person I thought of my friend Nina the person the first person I called to go to Jesse's um, and I asked if she'd be down for it and you know the idea of like a person that works on commission like almost primarily uh, making murals for people that like you know like this is what I want to see type of thing you know uh, I, I wanted to change I wanted to change that you know in any kind of way I could you know to like put something different in that paradigm so uh, I was like well I can afford to pay like 
like four people 150 bucks uh, and I can give them like you know access to my apartment for three four months something like that to like work on this mural uh, and I will help them write out, uh, help them with artist statements and write, creating a bio or artist statements and helping them create a CV, uh, do documentation while they're here working, uh, creating trailers for the show that they would ultimately end up having. I cleared out my living room, uh, both the large and small. Like the large one was where the uh, mural was at, and the small one was where I was having like, uh, you know, smaller works that they could sell. So the idea was like, like not only do now am I, am, I, am I going to like create this kind of like residency space, you know, I, I, wanted, I also wanted to be able to like have someone leave with something more than they came yeah. with, right? Uh, uh, not just like monetarily, because like I'm not, I didn't, like none of it was like for me to make money. I didn't make any money. It was more me like spending money than anything. Uh, but also with that, you know, uh, I quit CAM and I wasn't able to afford it. And just like, you know, I'm, I, I, I gotta say, like, what I would say is my community of artists and creatives, like, are really amazing because, you know, when I wasn't able to, like, to pay for that stuff, you know, the people came in and was like, yo, I really believe in this project and I'm gonna pay for, like, the next artist or I'm gonna pay for the, the paper for the next artist or something like that. So, uh, that was amazing, right? But, no, it was short lived because I, I, it was hard to maintain, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have the same amount of disposable income that I had, right? And then it was also like, like matters of like personal space, not so much like that anyone was like bothering me or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's more like sometimes I just want to come home and just like there'd be nobody here, you know? Like sometimes I want to just come home and like be able to relax fully without like wondering if somebody's just going to show up, right? He's saying he wanted to be in his apartment naked. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> like, like sometimes you just like realize, oh, I'm at home, man. I can just take my clothes off. <laughs> like, and then really not be weird. Yeah. Show up. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think alternative space could be anywhere. You know, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, and a, and a lot of times, you know, people feel like if it doesn't last as long or if it doesn't become a thing, right? Uh, like a mainstay within like the community, then like it's a failure, and I feel yeah. I feel like that's the wrong way to look at it because mm-hmm. as long as like as long as it is around, it's providing space for people that don't have a voice, yeah. and it's providing space for people that are looking for an audience or people that are looking to be a part of someone else's audience, right? Yeah. Uh, so like it's not it's not a failure that I wasn't able to make that like last as as long as I would like to yeah. to have, but like. I mean, I feel like it's a success because I was able to, like, help my friends sell work and I gave an opportunity to create something that, like, they hadn't been able to. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, like, they also got, like, uh, you know, professional help, right? So, yeah. uh, and I feel like it was a win for everybody that was yeah. able to participate, you know, including myself. That's uh, very interesting. It ties into something I heard yesterday. I was watching uh, the second season of Abstract on Netflix. You haven't seen it? You need to. The, the series is dope as hell. But Olafur, who is a designer, um, he said something that I was like, holy shit. And it's something he got from his dad. And he was like, the lack of success is not the presence of failure. And I was like, fuck. Like, that's <laughs> that's a crazy way to look at things, right? Because, like you said, yeah. it... it may not have been a success in terms in someone else's terms but that of course does not mean that that was a failure at all 
Um, but that, I mean, that sounds really dope. And it's, it's awesome that you were able to give that to, um, to your friends. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Do you have any tips for people that are trying to build their career, that are trying to have their first solo show, that are, you know, kind of stuck making art in their room and having a place to display it? Um, other than their room I feel like the best advice anybody could have is you know don't place value on the spaces that are going to be willing to show your work uh, I mean and what I mean mm. by that is don't devalue a space that's willing to show your work because it's not where you want to be yeah. um, because you know I think what I will say is one of the most like some of the most rewarding things that I've experienced in this year since uh, left Cam, been able to do so much, you know, um, is like just doing public art, right? So I, I did the I did an installation at well, I currently have an installation at Bohemia's on Telephone Road in Second Ward, and uh, while I was making that, there's a little girl. Well, see, not little. There's a girl that was uh, her dad works there, and uh, she was asking me questions about how I was making it and, you know, to kind of breaking it down. But, like, you know, later that night, she went home and tried to make one in her room. Nice. Or she made one in her room. It's not trying. She did, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's that, for me, it is more important than, like, you know, getting, like, this huge show or wherever it may be, right? Because it's art for me is not about, like, where I, where it can take me. It's more about what it, what it could do for somebody else. Mm. Uh, because, like... Maybe she didn't know that even existed, that you can do anything with that, you know? And maybe that's even where she wants to go, if she even wants to be, like, an artist or be creative or, like, pursue any of that, right? But, like, it's the idea that, like, you put it in a, you put it in a place that, like, regular people go and will be exposed to it. Yeah. Like, you transform the spaces that people normally traverse and you open their eyes to possibilities by putting art in front of them. Uh, and I think just being open to wherever it may be, like my first like solo show was at uh, at Bohemios. Uh, then I just had another. I mean, then I have uh, uh, you know the other installation there. But like, it's you know, I lend I, I lend myself to a lot of different things. I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, like for free. Uh, not saying that like that's something that I would say everybody needs to be doing or someone should do because I mean like. First and foremost, if somebody's charging to get inside everything, you need to be getting paid. Uh, so um, say that again, please. <laughs> <laughs> if if there's a cover charge and they're asking you for services and they're not paying you, then you should not be collaborating with them because it's a scam. Message. <laughs> <laughs> That's some real shit right there. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I'm I can ramble all day long about all this stuff, but it's just yeah. You know, when it what it all boils down to is community and knowing just knowing that you're a resource to somebody else and someone else can be a resource to you and it's just making sure that everyone's aware of what you're capable of doing and what you're willing to do and being aware of your own boundaries yeah. and not over overstepping them because like the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be resentful to that individual and that's going to cut off like a whole arm of the community yeah i mean and i think that's what happens to a lot of different places is like Someone, someone else's like mischaracterization of another person renders the entire community dead because you can't move forward without everybody being a participant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you can, but you, it's just going to be more side of yeah. groups. 
and more splintered things like well like the way i look at it is like houston itself could be you know if we're talking about like how diverse the city is and how much money like the art is making yeah. or, and, like, yeah. and like consistently over the past like, like six seven years like why don't we having like some kind of houston multicultural fest where like we just have our own thing yeah like and then that, and that and for me that's not even like a far off thing it's essentially just saying like to people that are like creatives like hey like we can do this yeah like we that's, don't have to ask anybody to pres- for permission and i think that's where a lot of stuff gets held up it's just like you just start asking and you forget that like you're already doing it yeah mm. without permission so just keep doing that shit yeah yeah i mean like the uh, and i know i'm rambling the way i see it nah, is like you're good you, you're good. <laughs> you, you, you you do it and you, and you do it until they can't deny how great you are at it and i feel like that's just kind of what it is like you could be down on yourself and you cannot get the likes or whatever the like the the gratification or the accolades that you're looking for but like if you stand stand with it and if it's something you really care about like just do it right make, make your own path this sage ass wisdom. Right. It's like he got long ass white locks down <laughs> his ass. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like you, you like, the thing is like I've been having these conversations with artists yeah. like since you know, since I came to the realization like maybe like six years ago, then I was like, Oh, like it's hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like and then like just keep hearing more and more people like it's hard, man, like you know, all these like these like denials and all this like whatever and yeah. then like you know then you have like you start witnessing like all your friends move away you know people that you like develop relationship with or like people that you want to develop relationships with people you want to yeah. collaborate with and they just leave them because like you know at some point like you realize you can't get a show at, 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 at not and they can't get a show at mfa like yeah you 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 hit a ceiling at cam and that's it like yeah. so like and then if you can't get like if the hugest artist in Houston can't get a show at MFA, then like, like, the system's kind of broke, kind of broken and busted. Yeah. For me, at least, because if I'm donating artwork to all these galas and I can get a show in these places, mm-hmm. and like the largest places doing the same thing, and you can't get a show there, then why are you getting money? Yeah. Shit. Woo. It got real. Yeah, yeah, it did. So I guess it's safe to say that you're not. Well, I, so are you particular about who you do group shows with? Nah, I mean, man, I think I shot a lot of shots. But um, <laughs> hey, listen. No, I don't think they were shots. Nah, they're not, not shots. Honest. At least the way that you delivered them, they're not. Yeah, I was shots. like, this feels. I have. Delivered legit fucking shots at a lot of the same people that might be hit by what you just said, and they have bit. Ain't no question, them shits are shots. Yeah. So you good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you always felt like a call to the altar to get right. Yeah, well, because like, I mean, like literally, I mean, because for real, man, like I'm tired of seeing my friends move away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they only moving away because like artists ain't got no fucking power. And they only got they only they don't have any power because we're all vying for the same like opportunities. Yeah. And if like you know the ceiling is cut off at like yeah. the largest organization, then like there's nothing like if no one's like let me just walk it all the way back. 
if none of the organizations are doing any kind of outreach to make sure that they're putting people that are actually creating work in Houston inside those spaces, then they're doing a disservice to the community. Yeah. If everything is going to be application-based, and that means you're doing a disservice to the community because not everybody has the know-how to fill out an application. Not everyone has a CV. Not everyone knows yeah. to our statement. Yeah. Not, one, not everyone has the experience. Like, But a lot of people have the know-how to make these things happen. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you have to... They, it, the system forces you to get your chops and like DIY alternative spaces, which isn't bad. But the thing is, is like if you if they know that's where you're coming from, it and there's no money value. going into making sure those places can stay, like yeah. stay and exist, and make sure other people have you know that same type of leg up, then like they're doing a disservice to the community because yeah. it's not even so much these, it's not even so much the arts organizations, but it's like who has the funding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have to apply for it, that just means that like. It's another barrier, right? It's another hurdle you yeah. have to jump. Like, why you keep setting these things in front of me when you just you know I'm doing it? Like, yeah. I've been doing it for this long. Yeah. Like, find me. <laughs> I will say though, I will say though, in response to that, I have to give a shout out to Houston Arts Alliance because they are actually trying to figure out a way to help people jump those hurdles, mm-hmm. right? So like, w- they've they've revamped their application process. Yes, they actually help people figure out how to do those applications and things like that and i mean it's not a perfect system but it's they're making the effort it's a lot better than they were yeah absolutely (laughs) and and we're saying this because we had that conversation yeah Yeah, we had that conversation with uh dj thomas over there um and you know we are uh sponsored in part by them but this ain't no you know what I'm saying? We like, don't pull our capes off for people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, if I had some shit to say, I'd say that shit. Yeah. And we just have to agree to disagree. Yeah. And, yeah. But no, they, they're they doing it. As you see with job. all of our arguments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean. But no, I feel you. Yeah. I completely agree with everything that you've said. Like, there's nothing that you have said that I'm like, eh, well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Ronald. Like, nah, ain't, ain't no shit like that. Like, yeah. Ronald's got real. the vision. Yeah. I mean,. I, yeah, I feel like I'm being schooled over here. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you look at, uh, just thinking about it, if if we were to look at all the data of all the persons or the, all the schools that take trips to these museums and stuff like that, and then we realized where they're coming from, right? And like, instead of like, you know, building something within that museum district right or that arts district on Washington or whatever like where are people coming from right like at some point you gotta stop thinking about like how many people are gonna you can get to come to you and how much it would mean to them if you actually made that for to get to where they were hey man yep I've been saying that shit I mean I keep saying that shit that's actually how I ended up taking a lot of shots at the MFA because with all the dollars that people give to the Museum of Fine Arts it's very easy for them to create programming that goes inside these schools. Instead, they keep putting all their money into programs that bring people there. But the thing is, like, a lot of schools don't have budgets yeah. for field trips. Yeah. <laughs> when I was at Hastings, I told you, this, our, my art teacher was like 85-year-old white woman. She had a class of like 12 of us yeah. who were badass kids. But she was like, I want to get y'all to the, because I had never been to the MFA. Yeah. She was like, I got to get you. She was, her mind was blown that none of us had ever been, yeah. considering how prestigious it was. And she got the little permission slip. She loaded us up in her um, van 
and she took us there and i'm pretty sure we took like 10 years off her life <laughs> don't touch it yeah because we had never and i mean i've been in those spaces but never like that and i remember we had like this conversation because i was like where are all the black people you know yeah. we, we yeah. didn't have the filter but that's the other thing but yeah. as a 78 year old white woman it was also a perspective for her like oh you know i was so gung-ho about bringing these kids here yeah. and this doesn't resonate with them i mean yeah they see the shit that we're studying in her yeah. books yeah. yeah and so and rebea talked about that last season also the fact that the museum of fine arts does like they do their token Black shows, shows every, and then it goes away. Yeah, Black for like five movies. years. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, 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 it came out this year, and then it, it was like, yeah. well, I guess not even I Black didn't even History happened. So. Oh. it'll it'll it may run over the course of Black History Month, right? So they'll do like a six month thing, or oh, okay. like a four month thing that goes from like fucking December to like March or some shit. Yeah, but that's it for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then yeah. it's like the little sprinkles of yeah. uh, of dust around the yeah. museum, like oh, yeah. Black artist. Yeah. He's yeah. mixed. Uh, <laughs> it counts. It counts. Yeah. It counts. Yeah. But I'm just saying, that's the only one. Like, yeah. you know what I'm oh, oh, wait, but check out these Art Deco cars, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay, now that was a shot. <laughs> like a motherfucker. I mean, I don't see why not. Yeah. You know, no. I mean, that's, these, these are just honest things. Like, yeah. this shit is real. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, you ain't saying shit that I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, but I also know that you have curated some shows. Uh, well, I mean, the curation was the one, the the well, the two like super, like uh, the first two shows, uh, the one at uh, Jeffrey's and the one in the I Civic should, Center at Service. Should count. Huh. I should count. Oh. I should count. But. Yeah, and I mean that's why I put them on there. And, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is why I put them on there, and that was one of those things where it's like. I was talking to some other friends of mine that are like more accomplished artists, right? And they're talking about, you know, when they start getting more uh, prestigious shows, more like validate, more shows in validated spaces or validating spaces, they would um, like start taking off, you know, the lesser known spaces, uh, other yeah. like uh, other stuff, right? And like for me, it's kind of like that doesn't really doesn't really show traje- traje- trajectory, right? Yeah. It doesn't say where I came from or yeah. how much I put into it, you know. Um, I th- I think I think we just have to get past the idea that you know these white walls determine who is going to be who they want to be you know uh, I think it's time we got past like allowing critics and curators to dictate who is going yeah. to be like the next whoever right mm-hmm. uh, my you know my organizing efforts you know the community building things that I'm trying to do is all about like making people aware of the community that's around them, right? You know, and it all goes back to me for, like, uh, for, to, uh, uh, when the My Dolls uh, had a, they had, like, a pop-up show at CAM uh, that Maxfields put on, and they had a, a, a talk and uh, live performance there as well. And during the Q&A portion of it, um, they are talking about being on the bills with all these bands that, like, you know, just names on papers now, right? Uh, and... Uh, and it made me think about you know my 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 immediate community and all the people I know and like where we're gonna be in the next like twenty thirty years or something yeah. like that and how like some of the people that we know just may be names on a piece of paper right yeah. but like the only way to keep that from being you know a reality for a lot of these creatives is for us to just like make sure no one is at some point just a name on a piece of paper because like the the communities that we exist within like 
that's how we got to where we're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never want that to be a thing that I forget. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I had all of the questions for you. And you've answered every single one of them. Yeah. So if I'm like, I don't. And more. Yeah, I was like, this was. Yeah. This is what I needed. <laughs> nah. I, I, I think there's a lot here. Um, you, you've said a lot here today that I think is important and and will resonate with a lot of people. I know for me, one of those things that you said that, that resonated was, you know, don't get so hung up on the places that will accept and show your work. Now, granted, I've I've been able to foster some relationships with some people that have dope spaces or can provide dope spaces and things like that. But at the same time, like, shit, if this coffee shop down the block is going to show your work, put that shit up there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you never know who's going to come in and be like, y'all like this piece. Who did this? You know what I'm saying? Or buy that piece off the wall. Like, you never know. You never know how it's going to happen. So I think, I think, I think that's important. Uh, very important um and i'll definitely take that with me because that and shit probably 500 other things that you said uh <laughs> again i mean you said you, you said some very poignant things um and i i, I appreciate that I, I, oh, I, no, I, I really do appreciate you all allowing me to like participate you know i I mean, I've only recently even discovered that you all exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> I met you, I met you yeah. at uh, uh, Rebellious, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's like... I think the same week, after the, during the same week that we had recorded that podcast with Rebellious, which I think was our sec- second, that was our second episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Second time recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, <laughs> very recent. Yeah, yeah man, you know... Um, and again, you know, it's for me, it's one of those things where if someone is asking you to participate, it's like you don't know where that that road leads or what the opportunity could provide. And to, you know, kind of shut it down yeah. based on like someone else's perception of it. Right. Not what it can what it means for you personally. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a disservice you know, like you're doing your, I know I say, I say disservice a lot, uh, but, um, you're doing yourself like no favors by saying no to a space just because of what it may mean. I mean, I understand like, yo, if they charge and they're not paying, that's a different thing. But like, if they offering you space and you're not taking it, then you're also saying that you don't really want it. Like yeah. the thing that you're going for, because that next thing may be hinged upon like you accepting that. Mm-hmm. You know, that next step may be right after that. Yeah. And you may miss it because like the person that's gonna come in and see it ain't there. Yeah. Uh, you know, not there because, you know I don't know. It's a long chain in the command. There's a it's a long chain in like effect, right? Like to get to where you wanna go, but it ultimately just becomes like whether or not you want it bad enough and how much you're willing to do to get through it, you know. Yeah. For me it's more like I got nothing else going on for myself. Like, I don't, I mean, if, I know I don't like the idea of working nine to five, uh, and it's not so much that I can't do it. It's like, if I don't really like where I'm at, I'm yeah. literally just gonna just 
fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's just gonna get bad from bad to worse. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that just ramped at the very end. Nah, you good <laughs> again. You good, man. This is this has been wonderful. Um, can you tell the people where they can find you? On, well, actually, before that, once again, tell us the date and the location of uh, the Chasm event. All right. Uh, yes, the silent auction for Chasm uh, creators. Uh, sorry, I take that back. The uh, ca- the silent auction is put on by Chasm creators for silent seekers and migrants. That is going to be benefiting Hills, which is also uh, known as Houston Immigration Legal Services Collaborative. Will be at Share Space at the eleven twenty Naylor Street location, and it'll be November third from five p.m. to ten p.m. It's going to be about 40-plus local artists showing amazing work that's going to be for sale. 100% of the proceeds go directly to the organization, whether it be ticket sales, raffle sales, or the artwork that's being purchased. All of it goes to them. Uh, yeah, I uh, hope you all have opportunity to come out and check it out. Uh, live performances, poetry, sound, all of it. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome. Come support the Houston community, supporting... Uh, another community. I'm gonna check it out because that that's actually my brother's birthday, and that's usually a low day for me. Uh, so it'd be good to 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 catch some art, especially for a good cause. Um, and where can our people find you online, sir? Uh, you can check my website. It's RonaldLJones.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at at Ronald. Llewellyn Jones, that's R-O-N-A-L-D-L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N-J-O-N-E-S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another enlightening and wonderful episode of Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast. And we definitely 100% appreciate Ronald for speaking with us and inviting us into his own and... uh, Letting us witness this cat being pee on my couch, <laughs> a, a cute jerk, <laughs> and on behalf of Raquel Simone and myself, Mark Francis, we thank y'all for listening. Peace. Bye. Bye.